0: Um, before, before formalizing membership this last year, we, we went to, we were, okay, it was an informal. And what we had talked about from the very beginning is that, um, is that, uh, there's basically four pillars that make you a member of Mercy Hill Church. Each one of those pillars is rooted in just a biblical expression of what it means to be in community, what it means to be a part of the church. And so, um, so what we, what we, um, Talked about last week were those four, those, those four, um, pillars. The reason why I bring it up at this point is because you're going to see it mirrored in what we talk about today. The four pillars we talked about last, last week was, um, attend regularly, give faithfully, find a place of ministry, and engage in community. Those are the four pillars. Each one of those, as you remember last week, they weren't things that I come up with. It's not something that we just think is a good idea. It's things that we believe are, are directly connected to the word of God and the instruction to us as members in community. And so, Um, we've always said, as we talked about this, that it doesn't make any difference, whether you're part of Mercy Hill Church or part of another church, that's what God expects of you. It's not what the community is. So if you're like, you know, Mercy Hill Church isn't for me. I think Tommy's a jerk. I think Jesse's too tall, whatever it might be. So you decide you're going to go to a, uh, you're going to go to a different church. When you go to that church, the expectation would be the same in, in that context. So, um, so we would just basically go, that's what it means to be a, per- a Christian uh, in in church. Today, what I want to do is you'll see that those four pillars get mirrored a little bit in our more formalized approach to membership. So this is, what we'll be going through today is what we call our membership commitment. Um, and it really kind of reflects most of what we've talked about last week, but it gives you a little bit more fleshing out of how we think that um, plays out. And I think it also provides an opportunity for you guys to, um, kind of ask questions and, um, uh, to kind of, to, to kind of sort through this a little bit more. So the real idea here is I want to give you guys the opportunity to, um, ask any questions. Um, what we really want, and one of the big reasons why we decided to do this in a formal way is we want to make sure people get it. Like this is Mercy Hill Church. This is what we think, this is, this is how we engage, this is, this is, this is um, who we are, this is what our theology is, this is the perspective we're coming from. We want you to believe in that, we want you to go like, yeah, cool, that's great, now I understand and now I know. The other side of it is we want you to understand the commitment, and that's why it's membership commitment, and as, as you guys have heard us talk about in the past, as we've been going through this, a large part of this is our, it's a, it's a, it's a place of accountability, membership is a place of accountability. We have accountability. Um, we have accountability for you, and you have accountability to the church. The, the leadership has accountability for the people in the congregation. We're going to. The Bible is really clear. We 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 answer. Um, we're going to give an account for those that we have been given um, responsibility for. And you guys have a level of accountability to the leadership and one to another. And so that's what a lot of this is about. So this is our membership commitment. Uh, I'm going to start by reading just the, the opening paragraph there because it kind of lays the groundwork for who we are as Merciful Church from the beginning, and, and, I, and I want you to get a feel for this. Merciful Church is committed to being the church by uniting lost and hurting children to their Heavenly Father through the work of Christ. We do this by cultivating spiritual development through the merciful application of God's Word and gospel community, and by creating an environment where the Holy Spirit's presence is free to be both experienced and shared. Mercy Hill Church is committed to a philosophy of church that values community and focuses in on the development of people rather than the expansion of an organization. Uh, we are not focused on building a church, but rather focused on being the church. Membership of Mercy Hill is, is, um, is as a commitment to God's design for the role of the church in each of our lives and a greater unity within our church family. As followers of Jesus, we are called the body of Christ. Collectively, we are his body. Investing in community, being known and knowing others within the body of Christ is something to which we are called. We are to be a living parable of Jesus' love here on earth. Membership is a mutual commitment between you and the church. Now you can kind of break up what I just read into two, two sections. The first section, um, is focusing on being the church. You kind of can stop it there. That, those, those sentences were written, uh, about 18 years ago, uh, at a coffee shop in Padua, Italy. So this is what we designed when Kevin and I, um, were, uh, living in Italy for, for a few months after we left the church that we were at in Minnesota. And we, we envisioned the idea of what, what do we want church to be? Like, what do we, if we're going to do church planning, what do we want the church to be about? And we, we would gather every, um, Every morning, we went to a, a, a bar called Bar La Fontaine, which was the bar, the fountain bar, and had this cool little fountain right there. And we would sit there and we would talk through what we what our philosophy is as far as church and what we wanted a church to be when we. And so, from the very beginning, that idea is is who we want to be. It's a simplistic approach that is simply we we want to be the church. It's not about building a church. It's not about being bigger. It's not about Adding more—it's not about the organization, it's not about the institution, it's not about—it's not about the corporation. It's about us being what God wants us to be. And so, when we talk about this, it's important for me that that becomes the underlying understanding, the foundation of our being members here. Um, this isn't about you guys signing on to um, like—it's not about signing on to Mercy Hills as a corporation it's not about you guys like advancing mercy hill or us trying to expand or grow or whatever else it's about you guys coming in and saying listen i believe that i believe that there are expectations of being the church in community and i agree with that and that's all i'm at that's all you guys are it's all we're asking of you and that's all we want from your heart what we want from your heart is to go like this is my community and i want to be the church within that community i want to be what that means and so then, that's how we kind of like step into this reality, and we go now. Now let, let's let's have a mutual understanding of what it is to be the church in community. What does that mean? And let us then go. This is what we understand, and this is what we're committed to. Um, and as you read that second that second half of that, uh, it's a commitment. That's why we say it's a commitment to God's design for the role of the church in each of our lives of greater unity within church family. So that's essentially what it is. We just are calling us to not, not be, we're not, we're not calling you ultimately in membership. We're not calling you to be a part of an organization. We're calling you to commit to being the church in community. Does that make sense? And that's the reason why it's spelled out this way. And And I want you guys to understand that, like this ultimately isn't about us building our organization, our corporation, our brand, our anything. It's about going listen do you guys understand who we are and what what your expectations of you are and the expectations of us are and then how to be church one to another does that make sense any thoughts any questions out of just that that idea that seem fair does it seem right does that seem okay to everybody cool um and so then, basically, what we're talking about here, and this is when we talk about the idea of this is a membership commitment. So what we basically have laid out is we got five different commitments that the leadership, from a biblical perspective, is called to. And so we spell those out, and they're not. We don't have as much like uh, uh, wording to it because it's um, it's it's a little bit more like we just want you to know, and then we understand beyond that to a certain degree. When we talk about the I commit, the reason why there's more word there is because you guys are making a commitment and we want you to know what that is. We want you to know what you're committing to. But the starting point that we lay out here is the elders and pastors commit to prayerfully seek God's direction for our church community, first and foremost. At the core of this is, as I've said before, um, and you guys have heard me and I've said this, I think in this class, is is there is no CEO, there is no senior pastor. Um, there is no corporate head other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our CEO he is our senior pastor and the commitment of the elders and the pastors at this church is we are going to do our very best to seek his direction for our church. Uh, will we do it perfectly no because we 're imperfect, but what we're what we 're asking you guys to sign on to we 're asking you guys to um, to uh, understand have an understanding as you walk through this is um, I believe that these guys truly are seeking God's direction for us. And so even when they're, even when it's off or, or even when they're this or whatever, as long as it's not outside the bonds of scripture, as long as it's not something that violates the laws of God, there's a, there's a level of grace and a level of mercy because you understand our heart is just simply to follow Jesus and to do our very best. I've had people come up to me and be like, well, I don't think we should be doing this. I think we should be doing that. And I've gone, cool, you might be right. Um, but God's, re- God's given us the responsibility to do our best to seek the, the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, I would ask you to pray for us if you think we're missing the Holy Spirit and I'll commit to you that I'll keep seeking the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit has something for me, I'm doing my very best to listen. So ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me because that's who I'm got to follow. I can't follow like a group of people, like, On any given topic, I get four different people from the congregation come to me and say, I think we should do this. And I can't go in four different directions. So what I'm trying to do is hear the Holy Spirit. So if you think you're in line with the Holy Spirit, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us because we're making a commitment to hear the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Um, So we we make a commitment to prayerfully seek God's direction for our church community. Uh, We make a commitment to care for you and our church and seek to grow in grace, truth, and love. Um, we have a very sincere um, uh, sense of responsibility, uh, a weight of responsibility um, when we step in and we say God has called us to be his under shepherds. Um, the shepherd of his church, the shepherd of his flock is Jesus. And he, he calls us as under shepherds. The scripture talks about that. All elders, all pastors are under shepherds um, to the great shepherd. And so he entrusts us with his, his return. He, he entrusts us with, with his flock. He entrusts us um, with, with his crop. Now that's one of the things when, when, when Paul writes about this and um, he talks about, you know you guys some of you say you follow Paul, some of you say you follow some of you say you follow um, uh, Paul. And, and, and he's like, listen, listen, God brings the increase. It all belongs to the Lord. And he talks about some water, you know, um, some, some plant, some water, some harvest, but it, but the return all belongs to God. You understand that you understand understand the imagery he's giving there is we're all just laborers in his field and everything that is, everything that is harvested belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. So we've been entrusted with his church. And so we carry that very, very sincerely and very genuinely. So, um, we make a commitment to do our very best to care for God's flock and to see it, see that his, his sheep grow in grace, truth, and love. That's our, that's our commitment. That's our desire. That's all we really care about. Um, and so we try and do our best again, not always perfectly, but sincerely, that's our goal. Uh, we commit to teach and counsel from the whole of scripture. Uh, it's one of the things that you've heard us talk about. Uh, it's one of the reasons why if you've come to Mercy Church for any period of time, you can sit here on a Sunday morning um, you know, I, I can't remember what I, I, I went through and looked at a bunch of my sermons and something like a typical Sunday morning service, um, has something like, I, I can't remember what it was, eight or 10 different passages and up to about 45 to 50 verses in any one of my sermons on, on average, because the whole idea is not about what Tommy thinks. The whole idea is about what the word of God thinks, what, what God is trying to, is trying to instill in his, in his people. So that's. Mm-hmm. That's deeply set in our hearts it's what we want to teach and it's what we want to use as the foundation for everything we do um so as jesse's talked about this in the past that's what we 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 kind of on a nerd level as elders sit and go what does the bible say about this issue and we go and we spend like like a, an unreasonable amount of time uh, a lot of times in elder board meetings talking about that and going back and forth and debating the issue but we do that because of this commitment that we make to you guys. Um, that it's all about um, the counsel of the, of the of the Word of God. Um, elders and pastors commit to steward our resources uh, to the best of our ability. Um, this is one of the things that we um, uh, try really. You know, it, it, one of the things that you, you have to realize is all of us are are doing our best. Um, within the skill set we have and so we line up people to the very best of our abilities to help us uh, to help us in our weaknesses and so we have plenty of different people some of us are on staff who have done things like this and we understand it um, some of us in eldership positions some people who aren't and so we we try and bring people in and we try and steward the resources of this church to the very best of our abilities um, again everything's imperfect because we are imperfect but but at the core of this, what we try to do is be as transparent as we possibly can. And we say, this is what we're doing with our money. This is where it's going. This is where it's at. I've said this a lot of times at our welcome dinners um, when we have our conversations around there. Um, for us, at the core of all of this is the greatest the ri- greatest accountability is transparency. And so we can just basically go, hey, this is, this is what we've got. This is where it's at. Um, we, we, we don't in any, in any regards, um, try to like do our best. Like, well, how can I make sure people don't know certain things, whether it's finances or anything else? Cause my desire is everybody just goes, here's, here's where it's at. And then you can just make your decisions. Like you can you make your choices and decide whether this is where you want to be or whether you, this is not where you want to be. It's totally cool. It's totally fine. So to us, our goal is to do our very best to steward our resources. And I mean that across the board, whether it's human resources or whether it's finances or giftings, whatever you wanna say, our desire is to do the very best to steward that for the kingdom of God and for um, the good of of our congregation. And finally, uh, pastors elders commit to lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the health of the church as a whole. Um, One of the things that you look, if you look on our website and you kind of work through uh, kind of what our core, our core values are, one of the things we talk about in there is that, that to use abundant mercy in all of our interactions. And so our desire is whatever is going on, whatever conversation we have, we want to pour mercy and grace on that circumstance. And mercy dictates sometimes um, confrontation, uh, calling to repentance, uh, discipline, um, it is ungracious, it is unmerciful to not challenge. It is ungracious, it is unmerciful to not bring discipline and call to repentance. And understand what we're talking about here. It, 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 this is not about punishment. It's about bringing people to a place of um, repentance and restoration. One of the most important passages in all scripture that deals with, with discipline in the church, um, when Paul... When Paul talks about the the unrepentant believer, he talks about the man who had had a who was engaged in sexual sin and and he was like, Why why are you guys just tolerating this as it's under the under the guise of mercy or grace? And so he goes through a process where he's saying, Listen, you need to, and and this whole thing is about the restoration of the brother. And then we we find out later on in 2 Corinthians, he is restored through this process, but that there is a there is a disciplinary process that takes place. It's not about punishing. It's about discipling that discipline is about discipleship. And so for us, our goal through all of this stuff is not for any other reason, but to, but to bring discipline for the pay out of a place of mercy, because it is merciful at times to do these things. Um, and so when we talk about that, we will lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the health of the church as a whole, um, and it really is best to say we do it as, as health for the individual and for the whole. Um, and so uh, that's that's really kind of the approach. And so as we walk through this, we'll talk a little bit more. As I get through the ideas of the, the commitments from pastors, eldership, which leadership, is there anybody have any questions or any comments as it relates to that? No? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, the idea of the idea of that is the reason why we've what well, we have structured in place is plurality, equality of eldership. So the idea is there's not a single one of us that is not subject to the rest of the eldership. So if something were to come up within within, let's say something in my life or whatever else, um, I'm. I'm fully submitted to the rest of the elders, and the idea is that that they should deal with any sin as it as it relates to any one of our individual lives so um so in many ways we are we are submitted one to another in leadership um and so that's what we would we would we would set up it's the same kind of thing like like I, I have. We've had nine elders in our in our church right now. I have I have eight elders that I'm submitted to. The same way each one of you guys. The difference between me and you is you have nine elders that you're submitted to. I have eight, and so it's the same. It's the same process that would be in place. I understand that there's um, uh, there can be, and we've seen this happen. That's abuse that takes place in the church where you create an old boys network that that they're just covering for each other and stuff along those lines. Um, and I think that can be a very real real concern. Um, and I would say there's a level of accountability that takes place in that, which is none of you have to be here. <laughs> none, like if that's taking place, I would encourage you to find a church where there is healthy leadership. And I would say that about us. Like if you're sitting there and you're going, here's, here's what I see. There's three pastors who are uh engaged have been engaged in sexual sin and there's two pastors who've been caught in 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 financial improprieties and they're all covering for each other. I I would go I'm going to run as far away from this community as I possibly can because there's something really not good here. And what I just laid out for you what I just laid out for you is not um is 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 unfortunately not something that hasn't taken place. Like what I just said actually mirrors some church situations that I've seen. Um, But there's an accountability in in place. One of the things I've said, I don't know if I've said this in this class, but um, the greatest greatest level of accountability for leadership is teaching principle. So as I go through all this stuff and I'm like, this is what we stand for. This is what we believe in. This is the standards we have you all are you all are making a decision to sign on to the organization because of that you're going i want to be part of this because i because of what they say and because of what they believe if we stop preaching these kinds of principles what that means is we're trying to hide and not be held accountable the more i the more i say this is what we believe this is what we believe this is what we believe this is what we practice this is what we practice this is what we believe this is what we practice the more it gets set in people going, this is why I'm a part of Mercy Hill Church. Like for some of you guys, as you walk through this, my hope is your response when I'm kind of, when I'm kind of unfolding Mercy Hill Church, our heart, our approach, what we've done. My my hope is that some of you are going, that's a church I want to be a part of. That's the mindset I want to be a part of that, that philosophy, those principles, that theology, that leadership structure, the quality of heart that they're showing in this, that's a church I want to be a part of. Well now if we come out of alignment with what has what has brought you to a point of saying this is where I want to be what that sh- what that should do is hold us accountable because what you should do is go I'm here because you said you were this but now you're being that and so there is accountability within that relationship I understand that it can be flawed because you can create that old boys network kind of thing but um the greater, the greater accountability is, are, are we living up to the principles we're, we're espousing? And if we're not, you should leave. In fact, I'd encourage you to. Um, don't tolerate, don't ever tolerate compromise um, of the established principles leadership has given you. Don't ever. Um, I think that's one of the biggest problems I've seen in the church is people do they they slowly allow that to erode because of whatever reason and don't go like well this is what you said and if we're going against what we say then i would find something else that makes sense any other thoughts or questions anyone All right, that's where we kind of lay things out as it relates to elders and pastors' commitment, the leadership commitment, uh, to those who enter into a membership commitment. Now, as we get into this, like I say, a lot of this will mirror, but we'll have the opportunity to get, I think, maybe a little bit into uh, more details how this stuff plays out. Uh, As a member, I commit to unity, to strive to protect the unity of the church by living in accordance with the gospel, by pursuing reconciliation when offense occurs between myself and another member. I will meet with an elder or staff member Mercy Hill before terminating membership and to bring conflicts or grievances directly to an elder. Likewise, I will strive to process and listen to God in community rather than breaking fellowship independent of church leadership. What you ultimately have here is, um, is a profoundly important principle upon which the church um Upon which the church solely is allowed to function, and what I mean by that is the church cannot be the church unless the members of the church and the leadership of the church choose to protect unity. You have to choose to protect unity the whole con- so often so often, so often so often walk all the way through the through the epistles they're calling us to be one to to set aside. Uh, the differences between us, to forgive one another's offenses, to care for one another, to be united. How often does it talk about the idea that we are one body? We are, we are made, we are, we are, we are bound by one spirit. We we are right over and over again. We are one. And so it talks over and over again about, about protecting the unity of the body of Christ. Um, and so the the only way you do that is if you're willing to do that. In the face of conflict, what causes disunity? Things that will disu- that disunify you. And so, if you basically go and you say, you know what, um, if something happens that that makes me want to break fellowship or break um, uh, break friendship or or or, or break um, my membership with this community, the the idea is. I've got to push through that, past that, to a place of unity. So I'm not just going to walk away angry about something. I'm not going to just walk away because somebody treated me a certain way or, or that sort of thing. I want to preserve the unity of the body of Christ. And so what we're basically saying in this is we're creating a place in which you say we can work through things, work, work through things together. And unless there is something morally, um, ethically, um, biblically, Uh, taking place that that should cause you to run like I'm encouraging you if you can go I know that so-and-so sleeping around and you guys are tolerating you don't care in leadership or I know you guys are stealing money and that all violates the law of God and you're unwilling to repent and you're unwilling to do cool then I encourage you to walk out if the leadership is is that screwed up but if all we're talking about is well I don't like this and color of the carpet's not right and you guys spent 7% more on this area than I would have spent on that area, that kind of thing. And you're like, screw it, I'm leaving the church and I'm, not, I'm breaking fellowship. That is not protecting unity. If somebody does something that, that offends you or makes you upset or whatever else, we are availing ourselves as elders to say, cool, let's work through it together. We're willing to do the hard work with you to protect the unity of the body because it's important. Um. So for us, that's, that's, that is really fundamentally important. I think the scripture lays out for the church. It's also something that is um, uh, ultra prevalent in the American church. And, I, an unwillingness to work through to protect unity. Um, it is so easy for people to just go and they're out the door. Um, I mean, I can tell you story after story after story after story, just in the last, I mean, I can tell you a few stories just this week where it's been like, hey, where have you been? We haven't seen you in a while. Well, I'm upset about blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to a different church. Okay, cool. Did you talk to any us, any of us about that? Did you like process any of that with us? No, absolutely not. Like, I just heard from somebody who heard from somebody that this took place. So therefore, I'm going to leave the church because I'm not comfortable with fill in the blank. Anybody here think that's a reasonable response for a Christian in community? I can tell you this is almost a weekly occurrence during certain se- se- seasons of a church. And it's like you never even came to talk to anybody. And you're basing your decision on so-and-so said to so-and-so that you said thus. And it's not true. It's just simply not true. And so like when I use that as an, when I use that as an illustration, I, this is not hyperbole. Am I right, Jesse? Yeah. So like it happens all the freaking time and it's, and it's terrible. It's an awful thing. It's an awful Testament about the nature of Jesus Christ and his church. Um, unity is deeply important. And so what we're trying to, one of the reasons why we're doing the membership is to go, guys, don't just walk away from fellowship and community. Let's walk through these things together. Let's, 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 let's wrestle in the Lord with things. Let's lay the Bible out before us and go, we're, we're all submitted to the word of God. Let's talk through this and work through it. Any questions or thoughts on that?
1: I don't know if any conversation will come out of this, but I guess as I was listening, I was just thinking about how, um, in a lot of good ways, we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirits in our country. We have we exist in a socio-economic reality that is capitalism, and people have great ideas and they create uh, branding around these ideas. So there are all kinds of companies, and in a lot of ways, uh, the the church has borrowed a lot of clever ideas. And I don't mean that rhetorically. Like it is good that we borrow some American corporation tactics around people grouping and people rallying and headed towards something and um, being organized and being efficient. Um, but by the way, before I go on, like, do we have two weeks for this document or, or? No, okay. All right. All right. I'll keep going. Um, I actually- Okay. Sounds good. Uh, So part of me, I I was thinking like, I think our mindset and my mindset when I became a Christian was kind of like, oh, here's another organization that created a brand and they're like, they give like quarterly reports and there's like profit and loss. It's not, it's a nonprofit organization, but still when things are bumping and growing, everyone is like super excited and like the stock is going up and there's like an energy to that. And like, there's more campuses and like better facilities and upgrades of sound and upgrades of everything. Um, we all know as American Christians that like having a money, a moneyless environment is like really depressing and uncomfortable. And you probably like, won't go there. Just like, let's be honest with each other. You, you guys feel the air conditioning kick in? So part of me is thinking like, what if it's like a mindset that we haven't even realized that we need to change or that we've never subscribed to? So on the one hand, we have scripture pushing constantly for unity, spiritual unity. It's all over the place. It's, it's like such a weirdly high, important thing that I almost gloss over it. It's like so present that I'm like, okay, yeah, unity. And and like, uh, if a brother's in sin, like confront them first, you know, one-on-one and then bring others to it. And then like, there's processes, But, but, but something in my American brain just kind of glosses over the push that Paul has and the gospels have for unity between brothers and sisters in Christ. And I almost default in my American psyche to like, if I don't like this brand, then I'll switch brands. If I don't like this radio station, then I'll switch radio stations. Have you guys ever done that? Like when we used to listen to the radio, and 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 it's almost like a part of your identity. Like I listen to KTI. You know what I'm saying? Like the things that we subscribe to and listen to, it becomes part of our identity. Part of me thinks that, myself included, that American Christians we we do exist not in the spiritual family paradigm, but still in the. I like this brand. I like this organization. I'm about what they're about. And there's some of that's that's true. Like we don't want to be philosophically hypocritical. So we have the white paper, so to speak, what we believe. We should stand for it. We should we should have uh, initiatives and tactics surrounding those things. But part of me thinks like a question for you: Do you think of church as a spiritual family? And. Like just before you answer to yourself, like check yourself. It's an easy sort of yes as an instinct, but like, do you think about it like your family where it'd be so weird to squabble over something and then like distance yourself? Do you think of church as spiritual family? And should we? That's a a question. Or is there something in how you've been trained culturally where you're like, no, I still kind of think of it like a brand that I like and that I attend and that I subscribe to and I'm here for spiritual epiphanies. We got a teacher, a really good teacher uh, at this church and it's, it's okay to want spiritual epiphanies, but just it's just like a mindset check because we're talking about unity and part of me wonders like, I wonder if we heard everything that Tommy said and agreed with it philosophically, but yet we're still in this mindset of like, I'm gonna go to the brand that I like as opposed to how horrible it would be if I broke apart from my spiritual family over this or that or that or whatever squabble within the brand, just some thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I think a certain level of clarity to this is important because um, when we read things in scripture and it deals with unity in the body of Christ, there's a different paradigm that we're, start, we're dealing with here than they did back then. There was a church in Jerusalem. There was the Jerusalem church. There was the church in Ephesus. There was the church in in Philippi. There was the church in Rome. Um, how many churches are in Milwaukee? So there were there was all communities. Then some met in larger numbers in Rome. Some met in smaller numbers. Some met in this home that held this many. This, but it was all under the same leadership. It was all under the same eldership in place. So so you weren't going. You weren't like. Screw these guys. I don't like them. I'm going to go over to, I'm at First, First Baptist Church. I hate the guys at First Baptist Church. I'm going to go over to Second Baptist Church. You didn't do that because there was a church. And, and part of what we've done is we've created this idea um, around this. And we run into this all the time where it's like, well, yeah, I'm leaving Mercial Church, but I'm not leaving the church. I'm just going to a different church, but I'm still in the church. So I'm maintaining the unity. I, I, I call that bogus. I call that, that is ridiculous. The church, the, your church is the church you have community and relationship with. That's the idea. I have community and re- relationship here. And so this is my church body that I'm a part of. This is my local church body that I'm a part of. Now, if, if you want to go to, if you want to go from this church body to a different church body that is still within the greater church body, I think that's, you can do that, but I think there's a process for doing that. In other words, it's going, hey, pastor, um, we're moving to X, Y, and Z. Um, and so, we're going to be going to this different church because we're moving. Okay, cool. That's great. We, we got good relationship. We're still in community. There's still relationship and fellowship. Cool. Or, pastor, I feel like God is leading me to do X, Y, and Z at this church, and they have this thing, and I want to go over there and do whatever. Cool. Let's process through that. Um. But when you break fellowship, what you're doing is you're breaking fellowship with brothers and sisters that you actually have community with people who know you, people who care about you. And you're saying, because I don't like fill in the blank, I'm breaking this fellowship to go over there, damaging the unity that's, that's here and going, well, well, I'm not really leaving the church. I'm still staying united. I'm just going over to that branch of the church. That to me is entirely, um, Dishonest. It is a dishonest approach. The idea that we're talking about is unity in the body. is re- is real relationship. It's people who hold me accountable. It's people who know my name. It's people who know my circumstances and my situations. And if what you're doing is trying to avoid accountability or working through hard things or allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you how to forgive and teach you how to uh, how to um, come into reconciliation with somebody by ch- by running to another church and you say, "Well, I'm not really." Leaving the church, you're breaking fellowship and relationship with those that you've built relationship under the auspices of God, and it all falls into two as far as 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 far as um, the authority that each one of us put ourselves under whenever we're, we're with we're with eldership that sort of thing. I had a, very early on at Hill Church. We had a couple that was coming to our church, and I was actually out of town, and they were went to a community group, and they ended up in this big like community group like got in this big argument about, about theology and, and I got a call from one of the guys and he, he's like, hey, pastor, we're just like two weeks later, we're leaving the church. My wife's feelings were hurt by, the, by what went on at the community group. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, you're not leaving over that. And I said, if ultimately you want to leave and go to a different church body, I'm cool with that. But you will not do that until you work through this with brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, I'm totally cool with blessing people to go to another church if God is leading them in that direction, but you have to do it from a right place in right relationship with those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ in community. You should be able to go to each other and go, I can go, cool, that's awesome. Like, we love you. I mean, most people, when they leave here, I'm like, listen, I want you to know you always have a church home at Mercy Hill Church because I want that to be the sense that each one of us has. I want you to walk out here and say, I have family there. I feel like God's leading us in this place, but they're still my family, and if I if I if I needed to come back, I could come back. It's not a problem. So I think that's an important thing to understand. You can't just run and say, "Well, I'm still in the I'm still in the I'm not leaving the church." Well, you're breaking fellowship with those who you have community with and that know you and that you have you have committed to um, accountability under, and so when that. Leadership comes in and goes, guys, you're, you're not, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is wrong. You have to repent of that and change. And you go, well, I disagree. Cool. Well, so much for accountability then. So much for submission to authority then. Does it make sense? We're hitting on this kind of strong because this is part of why we do membership, because we want people to understand this. Part of what's driven us to formalize this is there's just so many people who seem to not understand the commitment that's being asked of us, or they have a, they have a lip service to it and don't, don't really have a full commitment to it. I don't have any problems with people going, pastor, I feel like God's leading me into a different situation of it. That's totally cool. I, I wanna bless people as, as God is doing things, but I can't bless people who are leaving because they're angry or leaving because the, they, they have an issue with somebody or something. That's not biblical and not um, foundational. So we can work through that but you've got to be committed and um, submitted. Uh, second, community. Uh, to being, uh, I commit to being known and knowing others by regularly participating in weekend services and engaging in gospel-centered relationships within the church. I will commit uh, to building community through participating in regular church functions, such as joining a community group at Mercy Hill, church family night, Spirit Led, Terry, and other church functions, as my schedule allows. Um, this gets to what we've talked about, what we talked about last week. Um, we want you to actually know each other and be known. All those passages we walked through um, last week is all around the idea of accountability, of carrying one another's burdens, of admonishing one another in love, of all those meeting one another's needs. All of those things have to be done in community. And so you have to, you have to actively pursue that and you have to actively pursue that you can't come to mercy hill church um seven minutes after church starts leave five minutes after it's over for three years and then come up to us and go i'm leaving Mercy Hill church because i wasn't able to find a community to get engaged in and it's like well did you ever go to community group well i tried one but i didn't like it oh were you did you ever find a place of ministry well no i'm just really busy i don't have time for that well and it's like okay cool Like we don't think that Sunday morning service is the best place to build community. We just don't. Uh, Some can happen if, if you come early and hang out and you stay late and you talk and pray with one another, go to lunch with one another afterwards, it can happen there, but it doesn't happen when you just come and sit, listen to music, listen to me preach and then walk out. So you have to, you have to be committed to that. I will commit to building community so that people know me and, and I know people. Um, a lot of us don't want to do that, and that's the reason why a lot of people resist being parts of, of, of uh, being members of a church. They like the anonymity of the American Christian experience, and I get it. I mean, I totally would. I, 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 I think I totally would be tempted to to live in that place if I wasn't a pastor. Um, but it's not, it's not biblical. Uh, any questions or thoughts on that? Uh, second is serve and ministry. Again, this, this hits the, the one of the uh, four pillars that we talked about last week. To find a place to serve in the ministry of Mercy Hill, and to walk with a heart of love, concern, and care uh, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, when we talk about serve and ministry, um, we're talking about we're talking about the broad idea um, to be willing to serve your brothers and sisters. And to minister to your brothers and sisters. Now that may be that may manifest itself in formal, like, hey, I want to work in the children's areas, and I want to minister in the children's areas, and I want to serve the church by being in the children's areas, or I I want to minister in in hospitality and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ in hospitality. All that stuff is or prayer ministry or worship or teaching or whatever else it may be. That's all. That's that's all. Those are all avenues. Those are all vehicles to serving and ministering to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, take advantage of those, find that place, get engaged in that. But the broader idea is my mindset is I am here to serve and minister to my brothers and sisters in Christ because that's what God asks of us in community. So, that should be something we're always thinking about. Um, and, and I think that's important because too many people look at church as a, um, as a service to them. They they treat it very much like they do a restaurant, or they treat it very much like they do a grocery store or a movie theater. Like you, you're giving me something. I'm going to come and partake of it. And if I like it or don't like it, or you serve me or don't serve me well, then I'll, I'll continue in that relationship. Um, whereas you've got you have to flip your mindset and go: Is this a place that I'm going to serve and minister to others? I want to be a part of a community that I can do that in. And then you activate that. If we're all doing that one towards another, you will be served and you will serve and you will be served by serving. That's the way it would work really well in the church. Um, Any questions about that? No? Cool. You're all such an agreeable group. Um, Give. Uh, again, this is one of the four pillars we talked about last week, uh, to give generously and consistently of my finances, time, and resources for the sake of the gospel in participation with Mercy Hill Church. Um, we did go through this a, a decent amount, I think, last week, so if you have any additional questions, you can just go back and review the conversation last week. But uh, on, on a foundational level, we believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that it is the responsibility of the of the christians to support the ministry of the church financially and we believe that jesus christ and paul both teach that generosity in giving towards the work of the kingdom um, helps shape our hearts and our spirits and is the way in which the church moves forward um we talked about a decent amount last week um uh, the The ministry of the God Paul makes it really clear: the ministry of the gospel and the provision of the ministers is to come from the body of Christ, giving to it. And it it teaches us over and over again that that we should give generously to receive generously, so we can give generously. That as we give generously, God provides us so that we can give generously. So that would be the that would be the the commitment that we make. Um, we talked about this last week. We don't tend to talk about the tithe in a formal sense. We don't require tithe, that sort of thing. Um, I do have the conviction that I think the tithe kind of sets as a starting point, and I think we should see it as that. Um, I mentioned this last week, but on two different occasions, when when Jesus Christ um, uh, was talking to the, um, the Pharisees about their tithing, and he talked about tithing the mint and tithing um, dill, dill and the cumin, as you remember, um, he said, he said, you guys tithe all that, but you neglect the poor, right? And he says, you should do the former without neglecting the latter. So the, the only place that Jesus, the topic of tithe actually came up, that Jesus brought up, he actually said, you should tithe. Like, that's what Jesus says. Now, I'm not willing to take that as a as a blanket thing, I I think there's enough conversation in there to be had. So I'm not, and and part of it for me is I, I think from a spiritual perspective, I don't like having that conversation because again, as I said, I don't want to make it legalistic. I don't want anyone to ever feel like, well, I I've done my thing. Um, But in a general sense, we don't, that we don't push a tide because of that concept behind it. But I think there's enough argument to say that that's a good starting point for us all to go. If I can afford this, if the, if I'm in a position to do this, that's what my goal should be. Now, um, again, as you remember, I told you last week, I always believe that people should be, uh, every Christian should be participating in the economy of the church. You should either be giving or receiving. If you don't have enough to give, you should be receiving from those who do have enough. And if you're going to say to me, no, no, that's fine. I don't need to receive. Then I'm going to say, then you should be giving. You go, well, I can't really afford to give. Okay, then well, how can we help you? If you go, no, you don't need your help. Then I'm going to say, okay, if you don't need my help, you can give. You understand how this is gonna be a circular argument? So everyone should be participating. Um any questions on that? Cool. Then no hand went up, did they? Were you were you trying to put a hand up and then you scratch your nose because you thought I was all right. Um the 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 fifth commitment here is I, I commit to submit to elders. Uh, I commit to recognize the elders of Mercial Church who are submitted to one another and to the Word of God as my spiritual elders, and therein recognize their leadership and spiritual authority in my life. In tandem with Scripture and the working of the Holy Spirit, similarly, I allow for exhortation, correction, or difficult conversations with me as the need or concern arises. Obviously, this is one of those things that um, that at times make people uncomfortable. And the reason that makes people uncomfortable is at times it's, it can be seen as an abusive, it can be, it can be used abusively. So uh, what I'll tell you is this as a starting point. Um, um, this is the reason why you should interact with the leadership of your church and feel comfortable with that. Um, listen, it, it, if you're not comfortable receiving correction from the leadership of the church you attend, find a new church. And and I mean, and I mean, I don't mean that like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean that aggressively. What I mean is you don't want to go to a church where you don't trust the leadership enough to have them speak into your life. That's a silly thing to be in. That's a silly place to be. Find a church, get to know the guys enough to go, Hey, I, I understand their heart. Not that they're perfect, but I really feel like they're, 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 they care about me and they care about God's church. and They care about God's word and they're going to do their best. Now, this is all just a best guess kind of thing, obviously, because we, we're all human. I could go off the deep end or whatever else. Um, but be in a relationship with a church where you, you have enough confidence to say, I, I trust these guys to correct me so that I have accountability in my life. Um, and, if, and if you can't do that, find a new church. Find a church where you can say that because that's what God asks of us. It's kind of the same thing. Like I, what I would tell, what my wife would do, is tell young women: don't marry a guy you don't respect. <laughs> don't marry a guy that you don't have respect for, that you are willing to take um, lead, leadership from, willing to take correction from, willing to be led by. Um, because once you find yourself in that, I, like we, I kind of go, well, if you don't, if you don't respect him, why the heck did you ever marry him? That seems stupid. Um, and that's why you have a lot of the problems you have. So that's, if you're going to partner with a church, make sure that you respect the leadership enough to be willing to take that, that correction in your life. Um, and that's why we put in here, like we're all in submission. Like that's what I talked about earlier. As elders, we're submitted uh, one to another and we're fully submitted to the word of God. And if you don't see that submission in your leadership, that you don't see them submitted to the word of God and submitted to other people, again, find a church where you where you f- have confidence in that. Um, Again, there's a whole process for that, but the the idea is having a heart that says, I will allow exhortation, I will allow correction, I will allow difficult conversations to be had in this context because I want the instruments of grace, the instruments of God's grace in my life to be able to be activated. We We as elders and pastors are gifts from God to the flock, so that they might bring they might grow and have correction in their lives if you're not comfortable allowing the instruments of God's grace to go to work in your life then there's something wrong with your heart then it's then then there's something about you not being willing to humble yourself in that context to receive correction uh, any questions or thoughts on that and and finally with going two minutes over time we'll wrap it up um philosophy and theology i commit to the philosophy and theology of mercy hill uh, to support the mission of mercy hill and its core doctrines as outlined in the mercy hill membership class which i have already either attended or listened to with an attentive and open mind and asked all relevant questions as it relates to the understanding understand mercy hill core doctrines likewise i commit to pursue the lord jesus christ and spiritual growth through the love of the bible prayerfulness, teachability, lifestyle of worship, promotion of community, financial generosity, and willingness and openness um, to be used of the Holy Spirit to edify the church. Each one of these is about about a heart's commitment to who we are as Mercy Hill Church and going, I can partner with that. As I've said throughout, we don't really have a purity test as it relates to theology other than to say, be comfortable with what we believe, be comfortable with what we teach, be comfortable with the approach we take, You don't have to agree with it all, but be comfortable with it to a degree that you're not willing to be, that you're unwilling, that you won't be divisive around it. Um, We're, I believe very much in continuationism. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today and continue today. If you want to be a part of Mercy Hill Church and you're like, well, I'm actually a cessationist on that. Cool. I don't have a problem with that. My guess is eventually you'll discover that the Holy Spirit is continuing to work and hopefully like he hits you and you start doing things you don't believe in. But um, but but even if that isn't the case, it's cool. You can be a part of Mercy Hill Church. Don't be just don't be contentious. Just understand that that's who we are and go, "I might not agree with that, but it's totally cool. I understand where their heart is coming from. I understand them. I love this church regardless." That's just one of those ideas, but that's an idea that's really really personal to me, really important to me. But I'm I will embrace you 100% if you come to me and go Pastor Tommy, um, I don't know what, I don't know about this whole continuationism thing. I tend to be a cessationist, but I love this community. I love this church. I love the people who are here. Is it cool if I'm here? And the answer is, yeah, that's awesome, man. Maybe God will teach you something about this that you maybe don't really see, but that's totally cool. So that's really our heart. And as you see the rest of those, those ideas, they all fit into what to this point we've already talked about as it relates to membership at Mercy Hill Church. So that's kind of the membership co- commitment. Um, does anybody have any any c- questions that maybe through what we covered or anything outside, uh, maybe outside of what we covered as it relates to um, membership and a commitment to membership? What's that, buddy? The morning? Okay, yeah. Anybody else? Any other questions? No? Uh, did the information here give you what you need to be able to make a decision? Cool. Uh, if you do have any additional questions about anything, um, if you go to the website, so if you go to the website at this point, there is a portal there. You can go in. You can click the fact that I completed the classes, and I do want to make be, um, be included in the membership commitment here at Mercy Hill Church. You'll be added to a database that just says, "I you remember here at Mercy Hill Church, there'd also be an opportunity for you to request um, any other any other conversations or questions if you need clarification. Jesse, I think is it's his email that's there uh, and he's happy to do it. Otherwise you can always flag me down or any of us if something does come up. So that completes the eight weeks. I hope it was helpful. And uh, again, uh, next week we'll be coming back together. We'll just have a discussion around it, um, and then uh, that's it.